something. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, I appreciate you, Brother Les. Thank you for such kind words. I know they're heartfelt and genuine. That's what makes them so special to me and my family. Appreciate you for that. Thank God for that. Got a lot of things here to say. I'm going to try to condense some things tonight, but. Uh, I think I want to go to 1 Corinthians 4, and, uh, you know, I, I, you know that's just the way that I think, and I think that's a good way to think. i got chapter and verse for what I'm thinking, and i got a lot more chapters and verses that typically I have time to sometimes expound or get into or, you know, really teach out of fully, but I want to show you something here to get us started, two or three scriptures real quick, and then there's some comments I've wrote down uh, recently and even some today and over a period of time uh, that I think are going to help us. In fact, let me say this, nothing is going to help us more than the supernatural. Nothing is going to help us more than the supernatural. You just got, in my opinion, this is my opinion, just got a lot of natural people and I know they mean well, but they're just not getting it done because they're in the natural and you could be in the natural for natural things, but when it comes to the things of God, things of faith, things of the Spirit, you've got to understand the things of the Spirit and the supernatural to get things done. Nothing will ever satisfy your heart, the real you, like the supernatural. You know, I think the Rolling Stones had it right. I can't get no satisfaction. That's because people don't get over in the Spirit. They're, they're looking for it in physical appetites and physical pleasures or mental uh, uh, academics or intellectual stuff or Eastern mysticism or some other kind of weirdness. It's on TV daily and most of the talk shows. But there's nothing ever going to satisfy the real you like the supernatural. Nothing is ever going to change this world like the supernatural. The Beatles sang, so you say you want a revolution? We all want to change the world. Nobody's changing it for the better unless they're doing it supernaturally in God. But they're changing it all right. <laughs> uh, anyway, praise the Lord. Now look here in First uh, First Corinthians 4 and 1. And we're talking tonight about learning how to be skillful with the anointing you have. Maybe it'd be good to say this. You know, when you first come to Jesus Christ, if you aren't in a good church or a word church or a spiritual church, uh, the word anointing never came up. I was in a church for 10 years, from 5 to 15, and I never heard that term anointing. It never came up. I mean, it was in my Bible, but I didn't know what it meant. I just read over top of it. And even if I'd have stopped, I wouldn't have known much. Because, see, uh, Brother Les hit on part of it. You, you need instructors, and you need instruction. And those are two different things. But you can't have the instruction unless you have instructors. And, and you need a spiritual father for that. Remember, I'm not teaching on that tonight, but you can get my book on spiritual fathers. It'll make you mad or make you grow up. That Paul said you have, you, you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, but not many fathers. So that says to me just instructors alone without the right one won't help you like the one that's assigned to you. <laughs> and he mentioned that. He didn't realize it, and neither did I, that I was looking for a man of God. When I came into ministry, see, I didn't even know that back then. See how ignorant I was, and I was a man of God. So I know that you were behind me somewhere in that. 
And there's preachers today that are still struggling to figure that out because I meet them all the time. They don't have a spiritual father. They don't have somebody that can speak into their life that won't that they won't that they won't talk back to. So they're renegades, and some of them aren't evil or always rebellious. But see, they're got they're in their head trying to figure it all out. They got nobody to just call up and ask. You know, I'm not bragging on me. I don't know all the answers. I, I know a lot of them, a lot more than I used to. But Brother Les will tell you, and he mentioned it just uh, kind of generically. We were in the van riding the church. And, and Pastor asked her three questions. Well, I didn't say, well, I don't know about that. I'm going to have to pray about it. I just shot off the answer. See, but he may have been thinking about that, the pastor, for five years. He may have been trying to figure that out for three years. Now, I'm not the Messiah. That's not it. But I've been in this a long time. And I know I know sheep, and I know shepherds, and I know churches, and how they're either making it or they're all screwed up. They're just all screwed up, bless their hearts. And they're trying to do something for God, but they're not making much headway because they don't have the right organization. They don't have the right order. They don't have the right spirit going. They don't have right authority in their church. And so it's messed up. Church I come out of, they probably had 15 preachers since I've been in the ministry. I don't know. They just chew them up and spit them out. They do that all over this city. I won't mention the names of some of them. There's nothing wrong with going if God tells you to leave somewhere and go on. I'm off on something here. See, this is the reason people never become skillful in the anointing. They don't stay long enough to figure it out. They don't get things in order where they're at. They move to the next uh, jump deal, trying to think that's going to be a greener grass. And they're not, they didn't change any, so they're still a problem. And they're bringing their problem as the leader into the people who know less than they do. And then it's just compounded. I'm not, I'm not mad. I've just been in this. I, I've learned to discern some things. And I, I just haven't got time tonight to trace everybody down the fields. I just shot them all right there up front. Have some rabbit stew later. Yeah. I mean, like the pastor said in the back just two, three weeks ago, he stepped by me and said, you know, Pastor Jacobs, there's 40 preachers in my county, and only two of them are full-time. He said, I have to work a full-time. I said, well, there's nothing wrong with working a full-time job, but that's your fault that your church didn't take care of you. That's your fault, sir. He just kind of looked at me and went, really? And I said, yeah, really. It's your fault. You're going to have to take authority in that and not be mean, but be bold, be the leader. If you don't teach them, they don't know. And I think in most cases, people's hearts are right and compliant if they have a man of God that would teach them with the right spirit, they would respond correctly. You know, I realize there could be some abuse in the leader, but that doesn't mean that all of us are abusing. You know, just because we're bold about something and strong in something, that doesn't mean we're abusing. Maybe we're just right. And we've got to be that way for some of the perimeter people that are still rebellious and not get out of them. If you're compliant, you don't have a problem with me. But if you come in here as a renegade, I'm going to rub you the wrong way. Baby, you're going to be meowing for a while until we get you turned around. No, not because I'm after you. The Holy Ghost is out to put your life in order. We read it last night. I, I am glorifying God, he said, because of your order in the church. See, the churches have no order. Just anything goes, everything goes chaotic. Nobody knows who's in charge. And, and therefore, they never get much done. It just They spin their wheels, and they sing their music, and they preach their sermons, and not much happens. That's supernatural. Now, there's nothing wrong with teaching if you're anointed just to teach. 
that teaching is very anointed, very helpful. We're not putting down just teaching. And some are more gifted in the supernatural than others. I understand that. But everybody can be anointed to do what they're doing. That's what I want to hit on tonight. You, you have responsibility. See, this is the thing about humans. We want the power, but we don't want the responsibility. I mean, you know, just think about all over our city, they got these billboards plastered. And I go to a guy that's his associate for my eyes. I go to a doctor, you know, Dr. Dankovich. And uh, his, I think his Dr. Black is the head of that deal, or was. And he does, they got all these billboards around the city with Lasix and cataract surgery and what all they can do. And I'm assuming the guy knows what he's doing. I mean, if I was going to have uh, some kind of surgery on my eyes or any other part of my body, I'd be asking somebody about who is this guy and do they know what they're doing. Does anybody, anybody know if he ever succeeded in any operation before this? You know, and, but, you know, and we have to realize that God is wanting you to think like that about yourself, that if you're going to be in the ministry of helps, you're going to be the most anointed minister of helps that you can be. You could be anointed ministry of helps, and that's where you maybe stay your whole life and, and quit trying to fight to get into some other ministry where you're not going to be anointed. There's an anointing to park cars. There's an anointing to usher. There's an anointing to do music, anointing to do sound, anointing to help out. All of my staff members have different kinds of anointings. They're not all identical personalities. They're not all equipped the same way. Some some have different strengths than others and all that. We're all different. But we've got to find out where we're called and then be anointed, not just instructed, but anointed in that area of ministry. And if you've got a whole church anointed, what do you got? You've got the whole thing anointed. Isn't that we are called the body of? There you go. See, that's what our intent is and our purpose is to all of us be anointed. Not just friendly, not just nice, but be anointed, be powerful in what we do. And I've told uh, told you this before. we got visitors come in before I ever get up to say a word. They've met the, the ballet people. They've met the greeters. They've met some ushers. They've met some of you. They've heard the singing. And that's all before I ever get up. So if all those people are lousy before I get up and offensive and mean and not anointed, and they take their kids back to the nursery and they say, give me your kid. Well, you know, that turns them off. And I haven't even got up and had a chance to teach them anything. They're already half mad at me. What kind of church is this? And they go and the bathrooms are dirty and they smell bad. No, I could go on and on with this. You can see where I'm coming from. But when everything's in order and everybody's anointed and everybody's doing something. And even if, and I'll show you tonight, even if you don't know what to do, if you just say, I'll put my hand in the plow. I, I notice people when they come in my church, especially these people, they're not even on the ministry of helps yet, but they've joined the church. We don't let you work unless you're a part of our church because I don't even know you yet. But I've noticed that some people come in and join the church, and they may have to wait a while before we have ministry of helps where we can actually slot them in in a position. Are you listening? See, I'm teaching you tonight. This is about learning to be skillful. And we'll have a dinner or we'll have some preachers we're feeding. And I'll notice in the back, I know uh, here Julie, Julie and David, they were back there cleaning dishes and cleaning off tables, and they were just barely in the church. I mean, they were members, but they didn't really have a, you know, another place to serve yet. And they're back there doing that. They'd only been here a few months probably. I don't know the time frame, but I was impressed. Cleaning dishes. Nobody back here clapping and praising them on and encouraging.
kitchen of, you know, to wash dirty dishes that the preachers ate off of and take out the trash and clean off the tables and run the sweeper back there where somebody drops a piece of lettuce or whatever. But see, they were willing to put their hand to the plow because they found something to do and they just said, hey, I'll help. You can see how a church can really start functioning and, 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 and it's not just the what is it they say, the, the, the squeaky wheel gets the grease, but the whole thing's greased now. The whole church is anointed, heavily anointed. And, and people do learn how to do better at all those things, you know, but still, it's being anointed to do it, being walking in power. I appreciate the people last night who stayed. I, I, there was a big group of them, and I, you know, Pastor Keith and I together, we probably preached over two hours, and so... I didn't realize I sat back in the office. I get under the anointing. I lose track of time. I got a clock on the back wall, and I look at it occasionally. I got back there, and we hadn't even went back to eat. And I said, oh, I thought, it's 10 o'clock. We better go eat. We got back there, and then they, then they, we came back into my office and sat in there till uh, midnight talking, you know, because they want a fellowship. See, the Rogans came with their kids and a couple boyfriends and girlfriends, and they sat there acting like it's exciting to sit in a room with older people. That's amazing, isn't it? Some of you will get that later. You know, Your kids couldn't handle that. They'd be fidgety thinking this is boring sitting in here with Pastor. But Pastor Keith either warned them before they got back there, or they're just, they're always like that, I'm teasing you. Very attentive. Very Respectful. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So let's look here, 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 1 and 2. We're talking about learning to be skillful. Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ. Remember, we found last night that that's not Jesus' last name. That's the power of, of, of the power that was on Jesus, and it's the power that's on us. And notice that we are all called to be ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. He's writing a church full of people, not the preachers right now. Moreover, it is required in stewards. In other words, a steward is somebody that's set over a certain area of responsibility that a man be found faithful. You could take that two ways. Faithful in that he continues to come faithfully. He continues to give faithfully. Or you could take it this way. He's a person or she's a person that's full of faith. But either way, this is one of the requirements to learn to become skillful. You're going to have to learn to be faithful. I've seen it over the years. and not, Maybe there might be some exceptions. I haven't seen any yet. People that got a lot of money or think they do, they never help me much at all. When it comes to the local church, they may help me some financially and put in an offering, but, I mean, they're not doing any more than I'm doing or you're doing percentage-wise probably. I'm talking about coming and sitting down and being a good sheep and coming to the services when it's inconvenient because you're hungry like Brother Les has for 25 years. See, they don't do that. I've just paid attention to them. I, I hope somebody will prove me wrong before I go to heaven. They're bad sheep. They're bad disciples. They're, they're, they're slackers. They can give their money, but they don't help me any. And they, they're not faithful. They're not faithful to the church. They're not faithful to me. They're not faithful to the vision. They're not faithful in the kingdom. I can't trust people like that. I don't trust people like that. I don't care what you say. They're just not going to gain my trust. And as far as this church goes, then that means they're going to, I'm going to keep an eye on them. 
Because if I can't trust them to be faithful, then I don't know if I can trust them around some other situations. Well, I'm moving right along here. <laughs> I'm trying to teach you learning to be skillful. Now, there are times you're on vacation. Sometimes people have surgery. They have to be out. There, I don't miss, I'm not being extreme in this. Don't take something I'm not saying. But when people can come and they blow it off because they just want to goof off and go to a movie or something stupid when they could be under here hearing the Word of God. And I'm not talking about something that might happen once every ten years. I'm talking about people just intermittent their whole, ever since I've known them, they're not faithful. And, and, and then other people in the church come in late every single service practically. Well, I'm not even out here, but I used to be, and I, I know I know when people are just late. And, you know, no wonder they can't keep a job. And they have no respect for me. That's another area where they're unfaithful. They, they, they just talk to me like I'm a brother doodad instead of Pastor Jacobs or whatever. And I don't need that for my ego, but they need that because that shows their lack of honor. Not just for me, but for my office. Paul said, I magnify my office. I just want you to know I magnify my office. You might not or you might, but I magnify my office. I walk in it with authority, not to be a, not to be belligerent, not to be overly something, not to, because I'm proud, but because I'm doing a word here. I'm, if I don't magnify my office, Brother Jim's sure not going to magnify it. If I don't walk in my authority, you're certainly not going to have much respect for me. Hallelujah. Just trying to help you here. All right, let's go to Romans 16 a minute. Hey, we're learning some things. It's isn't at all exactly what I was planning to say, but it's pretty good. I like it. <laughs> we'll get into it in just a minute. We're talking about learning to be skillful. Learning to be skillful. Here's another thing while I'm on this. You ought to bring your Bible. Bring your Bible and, 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 and open it and read it and, and read along with me or at least write the Scriptures down and go home and look them up. I mean, some people can't take notes and listen to. I realize that. That's a strain trying to listen to the speaker, take notes, and then you lose out. Well, where was he? Where was he? And so maybe you can't do both. Some people can do both. I, You know, I kind of go in and out of that. Sometimes I can, sometimes I can't. If I'm over in the spirit real far with doctors preaching or something, Pastor Nancy, I mean, I, I feel like I'm trying to write a thesis when she speaks. You know, I'm not saying that as a criticism. She has so much meat in what she says as she teaches that she's walking as a teacher primarily, you know. And, and man, I just want to write everything she says down. And, and sometimes if I do that, I'll miss out. So I have to hold myself back a little and just write little snippets, you know, and listen to me more. And, and, and doctor, he gets me over in the spirit, and I'm lost. I'm, I'm not lost in the sense of I don't know what's going on, but I'm more paying attention to the Holy Ghost. And, you know, but I always get the DVDs or the CDs, too, so I do that. Then I can't come home and listen to them over and over. And over and over again, and over and over again, and over and over again. You don't live with me. You don't have any idea what I'm saying. I know you don't. You're in my house. You'd hear Dr. Dufresne preach several times a day on a DVD blaring out of a TV or a DVD player, or you'd hear a CD or you get in my car, there's CDs in it. You know, and I, I praise God for music. I'm just not a big music listener, per se. I, but I got teaching and preaching on all the time around. Then I have my iPod. That's a whole different thing. And so I got stuff going. I mean, you know, just three, four, five, six times a day. 
bragging, but see, I'm, what am I, I'm trying to be faithful in what I'm called to do and keep myself built up. I don't have time to sit around and watch a lot of TV and secular stuff and, and give myself to a lot of carnal things. Nothing wrong with doing some recreation periodically. Listen to what I'm saying. But if you're going to be skilled in on it, you might have to be consecrated. I'd sure hate to go to a doctor that he'd just been on the golf course all day and just came in, you know, and, and did that through med school and didn't have the real expertise that he should have. You know, I'm sure Helen, she's a surgical nurse, works with surgeons. These guys are pretty sharp or they wouldn't be in there. They'd have lawsuits all the time. They're very meticulous about how they wash their hands. I'm sure she could tell us some things we don't even know about how they clean their instruments and what solvents they use or what kind of level of heat they put on it to kill everything except the metal. Everything except melting the metal probably to kill everything on that where they slice the last person over. Because what? They're skillful. They realize they've got to be very meticulous about things. And see, what I think is sometimes we just think church is church. But it's not that way for me. It, it is fun and it is church. But I, I'm responsible in my thinking as best I know how to be. I'm not perfect. I'm not saying that. But I treat it with responsibility that I have towards you to bring a message in season like tonight. I was up at 7 this morning praying and studying this. And, and been studying off and on all day. Went and had lunch with my family and got to see the Rogans again. Took Pastor Keith and his family to lunch. But then I went right back, dropped uh, Roman off here a little bit, and then I went right back home, put on Dr. Dufresne. Prayed a little in the Holy Ghost first, then put him on, then laid down, took a little nap, and got back up. Then you're back up at church praying, and got my notes back out. And this is what's coming out of me now. Hallelujah. Learning to be skillful in the anointing. Now, here's a verse, and I haven't got all the juice out of this. You know what I mean by that? <laughs> I've been thinking and preaching on it for about a year. In uh, Romans 16.10, you know, when I finally figured out from study, and I had help from some other preachers, that Christ was not Jesus' last name. It meant the anointed one and his anointing. And I started reading that into every place I would read Christ, and I came across this verse, I don't know, maybe it's a few years back. And it says, uh, verse 10, Romans 16, Salute Apelles, approved in Christ. And I, I began to see that this man, of all the people they list down through here, it says specifically of him that he was approved in that anointing. Uh, the, the word approved, I think in Webster's, I looked it up. I don't know if I looked it up in the Greek for sure. It means to certify. You know, in my car that I have, my BMW, they, I, I'm, not, I'm not supposed to, I, I could do whatever I want now, I own it, but when I leased it, they said, do not take this car to any other people but our certified mechanics. They've been trained to work on this car. And they got a big plate over the whole engine, if you've ever seen the hood up, that's bolted. And they don't want nobody messing around with that engine. That's a high-tech engine. Now, I'm not saying other mechanics couldn't have done something with it, but these guys are certified. They've been to school. And I had a problem recently in that my technician that's, in the service, he said, I got one of my best mechanics. He's an older man. He's been doing this a long time, and he still can't figure But we're going to figure it out, Pastor Jenkins. So we want things to be right. I had to take it back five times. And uh, they're trying to appease me. But anyway, <laughs> here, 
here's what I'm talking about with you. How about you? Are you certified in that anointing? Are you approved in that anointing? Well, what I see in this, if I could be approved in the anointing, I could be disapproved in the anointing. How many understand that? You know, so we, we've got to learn to walk in something that causes us to be approved in that anointing, certified to handle that anointing because we're handling power. I used as a crude illustration several years ago, if we had a nuclear plant close by, I don't know if we do, I don't look into nuclear plants and figure that out, but if we had one, we wouldn't want the town drug addict down there at the controls or some guy that gets picked up every other month down at Sam's Pub, you know, because he's drunk and he's running his car over a hydrant. We don't want him in there around those buttons and dials. He's liable to blow up the whole city. No, he'd have to be certified, scrutinized, and approved and go through a lot of battery and tests to get into that level, wouldn't he? You know he would. So we're talking about the power of God now in our life and learning to be approved in that anointing where God can trust us and God can use us. And how about this? And we could step up into a higher level. Let me show you something that is real interesting. It's in Timothy here. Turn to 1 Timothy uh, chapter 4. And I'm going to read a a couple verses here from the Amplified Bible. And though you're not Timothy and I'm not Timothy, and because he talks about Timothy here receiving a specific prophetic word when the elders or the ministers laid hands on him, we understand the context. I'm just letting you know I understand the context of the Scripture. But there's a verse in here that says something we all can take heed to. Verse 14, first of all, 1 Timothy 4.14. He's talking to Timothy. He says, don't neglect the gift which is in you. I'm reading from the Amplified. That special inward endowment. Now, you may not have a special inward endowment per se like Timothy. But here's my point. Let me read on. That was directly imparted to you by the Holy Spirit by prophetic utterance when the elders laid their hands on you at your ordination. Verse 15. This is what I want you to see. Practice and cultivate and meditate upon these duties, throw yourself wholly into them as your ministry so that your progress may be evident to everybody. Now, see, we need to take heed to this. This, He's talking to Timothy about a specific endowment that he had from God. Like, I have an endowment for healing for bones, and then last October God gave me an endowment about lungs and breathing problems, and we're starting to see that pick up better now. And I'm still being approved. And, and even when doctor was here in August, he said that healing anointing would come up so many percent, if you remember. But I'm still not at 100%. And it's growing in my life. But this is what you have to do with whatever you're anointed to do. It doesn't have to be a gift of the Spirit, per se. But whatever you're anointed to do. How many are listening to me? You're going to have to do verse 15 here. Practice and cultivate and meditate upon these duties and throw yourself wholly into them as your ministry so that your progress may be evident to everybody. I'll tell you somebody right now that I, that, that is impressive to me is Diana Blaylock. I mean, my goodness, I've, I, you know, and I haven't tried to work her. You know what I mean, work her, because she does the stuff in the back with the preachers and, and prepares the food or orders it or and makes sure it gets set out. She has a different theme many times. Sometimes if we had a big thing in a month and had two or three events back there, she'd have a different scene every time we met back there. So she's had to come up here and work during the day or after she gets off here she had, or before she went to work. I don't know what all she does, but every time she talks to me about something, she's smiling. 
And she said, Pastor Jacobs, the other day, she comes up to me and said, anytime you need any help, just let me know. I'll be glad to take care of it for you. And I don't pay her for it. You know, I mean, she we worked out something for Hebrews for her to have a little something since she does her and John do that. And John helps as much as she does. I go by the church on my day off, and their car's parked back here, and they're bringing in stuff or cleaning, and I don't know. You know, so is Dale and Arlene. They're up here on the weekends doing stuff. But, but my point is, they're, they're, they're throwing themselves into their ministry. I don't think Diana wants to get up and preach tonight or anything, or John per se. You know, they're, but they're here to help. This is my point. And they want to be a part of the church. And, and you'd think with some people that do as much as they have done to help do the things we've done in the back, the fellowships and the different things. Dan and Trish are the same way. They've overseen a lot of fellowships, done a lot of extra work when we've had especially and many other couples and families and individuals. I'm just bringing out a truth here. But that these are people that practice and throw themselves into the ministry that they have, and they look at it just like I'm looking at what I did to prepare to come here tonight. See, they're thinking ahead, and, and they don't let it get boring, and, oh, Pastor Jacob's probably going to ask me to do that again. I'm just tired of all this food and this preparation and, and hot burners and sterno and whatever else, you know, goes on back here. Something to think about. And people like that, though, are going to get promoted. See, people like that, not just because of me, but because God sees their faithfulness and the good attitude they display about that. Hallelujah. So we need to take stock in things here. We found out last night you can get jealous of other people, and that will knock you out of the anointing. You start getting covetous and greedy about things, that can knock you out of the anointing. You start getting carnal and fleshly and, 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 and little physical things, and they'll take you out of that anointing. See, we need to understand what I'm saying here. And I've got a few more things to say. I'm not near done. I'm not going to keep it as late as I did the other night. Let's look at something here in Corinthians. I'm sorry, in Colossians. Go to Colossians with me. Let's look at a verse here. Now, chapter 1 of Colossians. And verse 27 and 28. And then I'm going to begin down to talk to you about some steps that you can take to become skillful in your anointing. Whatever you're called to do. And, you know, like I, I was mentioning Julie and David earlier, Herps right here on the third row, and others that have come in, they're not the only ones, but the people have come in. Said, some people come to me privately, or Sean said, well, whatever you guys need done, just let me know. I'd be glad to help. Hallelujah. That's the kind of person we're looking. We're not looking for somebody who wants to preach. i got a house full of preachers here. i got a staff that can preach. I've got... Brother Jacob can preach. My son can preach. Brother Les just showed you he can preach. Then Dustin can preach. And, 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 and uh, Brother Jim over here and Ronnie. And I could go around the room. There's several others that can teach a good Bible study and get up and minister. And some do both. Some can teach and minister. But you got to have the goods to do that. Whatever you do. But see, we're looking for somebody who just wants to serve. That's what God's looking for. He wants people to be faithful. So that, I remember when we first got in the church, I was been a, had been a carpenter. I've sold all my tools and given them away over there. I don't have hardly any tools. If I go to do a project, I've got to go to Home Depot and buy tools, $300 worth of tools, and do a $25 project. And we 
we left them over naked. Well, we didn't. We didn't have the whole tools, the big old saws in there. Maybe we had a saw. I don't know. But anyway. But now you make me forget what I'm saying. All right. Let's just look at this verse here. Oh, when I first came to the church, you know, Baptist church, they said we we need. They were changing sanctuaries. We need this old platform ripped out. Well, I came up volunteer because I had tools and I was a carpenter. I knew how to take something apart. And, and I just volunteered for that. Nobody was paying me. It was after hours or before hours or whatever. Then they asked me to work at the preschoolers, and I did that for a while. And then, then I started working with seventh grade boys. I've told some of that to you before. Nobody, nothing glamorous in the bottom of the Baptist church in the basement with old floor wax and stuck on an old hard metal chair. And some funky picture looked like Jesus needed a shower and some new shoes. It looked like he'd been down at the welfare office. I mean, you know, just pathetic looking back on all that and how we made it through that. We just stuck with it. I had four seventh-grade boys, and I didn't, I didn't have a whole lot of different attitude about that than I do coming here tonight. I treated them like that was the group that was given to be responsible for. So I read their little uh, quarterly, and then I did my own research and tried to make it exciting. And did my best to follow up with those kids, called them on the phone, went to their homes, met their moms and dads to see what kind of parents they were or non-parents. Because I get a lot of attitude from these teenage boys, you know, and then I'd see their dad and I'd say, well, I see where that comes from. He's a jerk, too. He's imparted that to his son. So I'm going to have to work extra hard to love on him and help him see there are some of us that really know God and love him. And things like that. See, I was responsible. I wasn't looking to be promoted. I was just trying to do my job with an attitude of responsibility because I love Jesus now. And Jesus, I felt it put me into that. The church did, but also Jesus told them to have me do something like that. They asked me to be a deacon. I prayed. God said, I didn't call you to be a deacon. I said, no, thank you. That was a real position in that church to be a deacon, you know. Stand around with your own arms folded on the back wall and judge everything the pastor said. And in all the business meetings, get up and start an argument with the pastor over how much we pay the janitor. Yeah, I've been there. I know what I'm talking about. We don't have no business meetings here. I'm the business, and I take care of the meetings. I got a legal board. I got an advisory board if I need, and they know what's going on. We don't hold back secrets on them, but we don't bring that before the congregation. You don't need to know all that. And some of you too carnal, you'd want to fight about it. I know you. Hey, just talking. I want to give your opinion, and the most carnal ones are the one to be the most outspoken. Give their two cents, it's not even worth that. Have no word in them. Have no prayer in life about them. Shoot their mouth off. See, this is why, see, I told you churches are screwed up. You don't believe me. I know you don't. And you wonder why churches never grow and they just become a dead ship in the water. You look out there, there's a sea of gray. No young people in the church because it's boring. And there's no power. And there's no authority. And they know right up they're not going to get nothing but the religion there. And they don't want it. They are, they're tired of it. Well, I don't blame them. Man, you don't got no power in your church and no power up front. What's the point? anybody, but I tell you, there's some churches that are screwed up. Now, I'm not judging them, and I just know how the denominational churches function. I just had somebody call me the other day and give me a lecture about how they were thrilled they could wear blue jeans to church. 
and their pastor did too. Well, there's nothing wrong with blue jeans per se, but I said I wasn't going to say nothing to them because I didn't want to get in an argument. I've tried to talk to them about common sense, about spiritual things. They don't get it. What's the point in bringing it up? They, they called. I wanted to get along. So I just let them talk. But then that conversation came back around in another setting in a few days, and I finally said, well, if you were going to see the president, would you wear flip-flops and your old Hawaiian shirt and cut-offs that had been cut with a piece of scissors that looked like the strings are hanging down up at the White House? Here I am to see the president. <laughs> Boy, you got a lot to learn. They're going to turn you away at the gate. You don't even brush your teeth. Didn't have your hair combed. No, you'd rent a tux if you got invited to the White House and you knew that whoever invited you and you wanted to be there and you felt that it was some prestige. Hallelujah. Well, we're not a close line preacher. It's not what I'm saying. But you could see how churches, see you get casual in your dress, you get casual in your attitude. You get casual how you treat the opposite sex. You can start thinking and doing, you know. You get casual about how you spend your money, what you spend your money on. You know, when I haven't seen a preacher for a long time and the first thing out of his mouth is telling me about some movie he just saw, I know he's in trouble. No revelation. Hey, guess what God showed me, Pastor Jacobs? That's not coming out. Some other kind of nonsense. Paying attention. If you're paying attention, you're learning something. And this is what this is the way you gotta think if you want to be skillful with whatever anointing you got or lose it. Remember we said last night in Exodus, you remember the verse, it's holy to the Lord and needs to be holy to us. There's got to be an esteem and a value put on, not that you just dress up, that's not what, I, but an esteem about that anointing, what that anointing does in my life. I don't want to do anything to impair it. I don't want to do anything to quench it. I don't want to do anything to diminish it. And you know you, I read Brother Hagin's book this morning, 7.30 in the morning, or 8 maybe. He said, you can add to or diminish the anointing on your life. Even though he's writing to preachers in this particular book, it's true for the sheep too. You can add to or diminish. If you if you conduct yourself right, and a few things I'm going to tell you in just a minute, then you can add to that anointing. In other words, you can develop it. We just read it in Timothy. You can make progress. I'm sure if I, I'm sure if I hadn't had Doctor Dufresne in my life, I'd still be doing basically the same thing I was doing 17, 18 years ago because I just didn't have the instruction, and I didn't have somebody I was looking to who could speak to me, and somebody that didn't care how I felt at times and just said, "Hey, Michael, you need to do this." He didn't care whether I liked it or I thought it was a great idea or whatever, and it, he wasn't trying to dominate me. He's trying to get my thinking changed. Because he realized I had something in me I didn't even realize I had in me. It was just dribbling out, just a drop or two here or there. Not nothing like the anointing told me today. Now, I'm not bragging. I'm just saying I had to have somebody speak into my life. And then I, and initially, I just started up my own accord of my own volition, my own will, my own motivation. Started getting in his meetings. Because I realize the importance of getting in a meeting from the book of Thessalonica saying, you know, that I might see your face. So I figured, well, he needs to see my face. And I didn't get, nobody was, nobody was saying, you can sit up front and we're going to take you in the back to eat or nothing. We just, Pastor and I went up to Muncie one time and this church was a real long church, like a big shotgun church. 
I don't know, we were back about 20 rows. We just went and we came in. We came on time, but we, the people were already there, and we sat back somewhere in the back. Dr. Dufresne found out we were there, and he sent an usher back there. And he came to me, and I was way back in there, about where Glenn is sitting. And he said, are you Pastor Jacobs? I said, yes, sir. He said, you and your wife? I said, yes, sir. He said, Dr. Dufresne requests your presence. And he come, come up, put me in the back row. Doctor never looked at me, didn't high-five me, nothing. He said, he's in the zone. But he knew I was there, and he wanted me up by him. And that's the night that he brought me forward and said, I'm entering a young man. Put your right hand out, Michael. And he slapped me, and he said, there'll be an anointing on your right hand for bones. 1996. See, I made the effort to get there, not thinking, you know, that that's going to occur. I just went because I loved him and needed to be around his ministry and knew that. And trying to be faithful and still pastor the church, but start traveling and getting out and paying the money. You know, we had to pay money to drive our car up there and then and get a hotel and food. But he started including us when we got around him. And he wanted to get us around him because he was being a father to me. Hallelujah. Let's talk to you here. All of that contributes to the helping me to come up higher and be more skillful and the anointing that's on my life. Then God would begin to speak to me. See, I, I began to get a, a different revelations about things. And every time God would speak to me, I wrote that down in one of these notes here. Every time God would speak to me, God would use him to confirm it. I mean, you know, just I mean, just recently, but last year in October, I got up one day and God said, get up and go in the living room and pray. I was down there praying for 50 minutes. He dealt with me about some things. Said I'm putting a, a, a new endowment on you for lungs and different things. Got in the meeting the next night down in Tennessee. Went to see doctor and he said Jesus came to my room. They talked to me about you, Michael. My wife was with me, and he said the same thing God said to me in in, the, in my living room the, the morning before. I never mentioned that to him. He confirmed it. Just <laughs> because I was in the right place doing the right thing, got the right meeting anyway. It's important, and I appreciate all of you being here tonight. This is not a regular service night, but see, God's trying to take us somewhere. I'm going to have to hurry on here, but let's, let's look at Colossians 1.27. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. What's that mean? Let's unravel that a minute before I read verse 28. Christ in you, the anointing that's in you, God is wanting that anointing that's in you to start manifesting out in glory, in his presence, in his strength, in his power. Whatever anointing you have in you, God wants that to start manifesting out in glory. You know, if you look at Jesus' ministry, I think it's John 2. It was his first miracle. I'm not turning over there, but he says he manifested forth his glory and did the miracle of turning the water into wine. The thing I'm looking at is the miracle. Miracles come when God manifests his glory through you. Hallelujah. And, and you know, we've got, to, we've got to grow this church. Thank God for all that we teach you and all that we put in you. And I, I, I'm not taking personal credit, although, you know, like Les says, some of it could go to me because I'd study hard to bring you the Word and feed you. But what I'm trying to say to you is you're going to have to win somebody to the Lord or at least open thy mouth and speak because you're anointed to do that. And you've got something to say. 
of being taught the level you get taught here in this church. And we're not the only good good place in town to be fed. That's not what I'm preaching here tonight. But I know we're preaching the Word. We've got to begin to start reaching out and be a little, some evangelistic about some things. Everybody may not respond to you, but somebody will. Everybody may not come and be a good member of the church, but somebody will. And if everybody that's here tonight had somebody else sitting next to them, we'd probably be full right now. I'm looking around. We'd probably fill every chair. If we just won one person to the Lord in the next 12 months. If your family just brought one person. we got 100 families roughly here, 90 to 100. That's 100 new people. You look around and see the chairs. I don't know how many are empty. We could put some more in if we had to crowd it. But it would be great, see. We'll start believing for that. Hallelujah. See, somebody needs you to speak. If I was a drug addict, a drug shooter, I shot dope in my arm, in my left arm all the time. That was just me. I shot up my left arm typically. Shot it in a couple places, once in my neck. But anyway, uh, you know, normally shot up. And I'm in the middle of being a drug addict, and God sent a guy right into the midst of this situation when I'm in. Gave me a dream. Showed me a man with his finger had been cut off. It wasn't bleeding. It wasn't cut off then. It had been removed, this little finger. Had a leather hat on, a leather vest. That's back in the hippie days. That was popular. And, and, and five or six of us from the farm we lived in, the commune we lived on, this communal place. Of course, we were more war. We were between being hippies and bikers. There was so much ammunition and weapons there. We were probably a little more on the rough side than just hippy-dippy. But about six of us went out to camp out at this lake and they had a campfire going and they're all high and this guy sitting right across the campfire from me all of a sudden he reaches in his pocket and he pulls out a new testament with this hand he's got a leather hat on a leather vest and his finger's missing I've been around him for weeks didn't notice that little finger was missing guess I was too high to realize that I don't know and he started preaching to me about Jesus Christ See, God started, see, somebody opened their mouth. And then God started dealing with me with those thoughts. And my mom was praying. See, I'm trying to show you, you, sometimes we think things are almost impossible, but even in the midst of that slime pit I was living in, I wasn't living honorably about anything. And yet God sent somebody to tell me about Jesus, right? And I mean, I'm hired to kite, and he just starts preaching to me, and all of a sudden I'm almost sober, thinking, my God, what's happening here? And I'd already had the dream. And I realized something unusual has happened. I had another dream. I saw myself shooting dope by sitting on a toilet out in California. didn't know I was going to be in California. I just knew I was in a dumpy place with cockroaches crawling up the wall. And six weeks later, that actually happened. God showed me my life. He spoke to me. He said, I need you to come home. And he meant like not heaven, but come home back to Ohio. And I came back home, made a decision that day, that moment in the bathroom. When I came back out, I started preaching to all the others that had been in there and shot up. And they, they said I bummed them out. They said I took their head away from them. You know what I mean by that? They were all jacked up in their head with dope. And then I come in there preaching Jesus. And they didn't know how to handle me. Of course, I wasn't about to take any back talk either. They knew me too about that. But anyway, praise the Lord. And I came home and got saved in six more weeks. See, God was working. See, you got an anointing. See, the anointing was working. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank God for the anointing. Christ in 
our desire to manifest His presence through. You know, I mean, this doesn't happen all the time, but sometimes I'll get around people and they say, what is that? I say, what do you mean, what is what? I don't know. I feel funny when I'm around you. Something's coming out of you. Something's, what is that? I say, it's the power of God. And sometimes I'll lay hands on people that, I, you know, I don't know them real well yet. Power of God will shoot through them. Like, God, what's that? I say, that's the power of God working on you. Making something right, knocking something out, putting something in, you know. Hallelujah. It's that glory. And you have a portion of it, too. You may not be called a fivefold, but you still have Christ in you if you've received him. The hope of his of glory manifested through you. You've got to help me here. I'm, look at verse 28. Now, this is why we're preaching on this. It says, whom we preach, we're preaching on the anointing. Whom we preach, warning every man. We did a lot of that last night. And teaching every man. How many people? Everyone in all wisdom that we may present every man mature, the word perfect there is mature, in the anointed Jesus. See, our goal is to teach something into you and preach something into you so that you can mature in your anointing. Now, I'm going to give you uh, some steps here that, that God gave me. I was on a mission trip down in Colima, Colima, Mexico, 93. I have it written right down here at the bottom of my page, Colima, Mexico, 93. It was written on another page, but it was copied onto this. And I was sitting there getting ready to preach, and God said, I want to talk to you about the anointing. I was going to preach something else. And then I grabbed my pencil and paper, and they were still singing. Maybe taking the offering. And I said to Mike, keep them going until I get this down. And I wrote down these five things, and I've taught this at different times when the Lord's told me. These five steps will help you to understand how you can activate the anointing, how you can learn to be skillful with the anointing. Anybody interested? Like I said, sometimes maybe you didn't know you were anointed or different things like that, but we can help you here today. So let's talk about, first of all, step number one. You need to understand what you're called to do. I'm going to let you write that down if you're taking notes. If not, I'll, I'll just linger for a minute. Understand what you're called to do. You've got to locate yourself. Where is my calling? Where is my anointing line that I'm anointed? Now, you know, don't everybody think you're called to be a world-class evangelist like Benny Hinn. We're just talking about in the local church. If that occurs later, fine, we'd all be for that if that's the Lord. But we're talking about just understanding what you're anointed to do right now. And let me give you some chapters and verses. Understand what you're called to do, what your calling is. Locate yourself, not what someone else said about you. Here's the problem. Sometimes we can get in meetings and people just not anointed to tell you something, just a familiar spirit or not an evil spirit always, but just sometimes people in their flesh and begin to prophesy over everybody and those people aren't anything at all what they did prophesy to. Then those people that were prophesied to, it, it strikes their ego, oh, I'm called to do this. And they're not even a faithful church member yet. And then they're frustrated that they're not in a worldwide ministry by next March. And I've seen it over and over again. Now, we want to fulfill all that God gives us. That's true. But we're talking about first step is to understand what you're called to do. And, and what I found out, what I've done, what's helped me a lot, uh, for example, uh, Matthew 7 and verse 7 and following, about 7 through 10 there, I think it is. It says, ask and seek and knock. You need to start talking to God about it. Asking, Father, where, where, where do you want me to serve at in this church? What would you want me to do? You know, and, and how 
can I be of value here? And where is my anointing? And, and seek him about that. You're going to have to spend some time praying about it and asking him about it. And here's another scripture to put with that, Ephesians 1, 17 through 19. We've talked to you about this before. Ephesians 1, uh, 17 through 19, it says that the eyes of mine, that the Father of glory may give unto me the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, that the eyes of my understanding, eyes of my heart be enlightened, that I may know, that I may know, that I may know what is the hope of his calling, and what is the riches of his glory, there's the glory again, and what is the greatness of his power that's working in me. Now, all those have to be prayed. They may not come to you the first day you pray that. If you call Brother Hagin in his book, uh, uh, I think it's in his healing book or his faith food book, he says he prayed those prayers every day, hundreds of times, not hundreds of times a day, but thousands of times for six months before he started getting fresh tribulation. And then he looked at his wife and says, my God, what have I been preaching? Because he got so much new understanding of his calling and thing that he realized, where have I been? And then later he began to say in another place, he said, he was pastor in a church, been pastoring for 15 years or in the ministry. And God said, you're not even in the first phase of your ministry. 15 years later. See, this is the problem with humanity today. Everybody wants a McDonald's Big Mac. You know, you want to drive through. You want to order at the back and get around the side and they throw it out the window to you and pay it. Go out and eat it. And got an eight before you get out of the driveway. We, we want fastness. And God doesn't operate like that. I've been in this, in the Lord for almost 40 years and in the ministry about 35, 36 years. And a lot of things I'm walking in now have just come in the last 10 or so years. It wasn't that I was always disobedient. It's just I didn't know some things I know now. You've got to start where you start. How many are listening? Well, let's go to Romans 11 a minute. I want to show you something else here that will help you, I think. You have to understand when the Bible was written, Romans 11 and verse 29, when it was written originally, they weren't. They didn't have the verses outlined like verse 29, 30, 31, and then chapter 12. This was all just one big letter. I'm talking to you about understanding what you're called to do. That's what I'm talking to you. How are you going to find that out? Well, you're going to ask him, you're going to seek, you're going to knock, and you say, Father, show me. And you're going to pray Ephesians 1, 17 through 19. Are you with me so far? I'm trying to move through this, but I felt it was imperative to talk about this a minute. Verse 29, for the gifts and callings of God, Romans eleven twenty-nine. the gifts, the charisma, the anointings that are on the callings of God, the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. In other words, God's not going to repent or change on what he's called you to do. And there are gifts to go with every kind of calling. I think I could say this. I think it would be appropriate, Brother Sean here. You know, a couple of years ago I said to him, I said, you know, Brother Sean, you can go anywhere, Pastor, you can you're a great man of God. He said, I know. He didn't say, I know. He said, but but thing is, Pastor, I'm called to work for you. That's where I fit. See, he's got what it takes, my opinion. But he's called to help and be an assistant to me. Well, oh, that's a value to me. How can I replace him? He's a children's minister. He's part-time administrator. He helps me in my aviation. I mean, he got a rock house publishing, you know. He knew, you know, I wanted to do that at some point, and God really gave it to him. I said, and he came to me before he did it and said, hey, you know, I know you wanted to do it, but I said, run with it. I endorse you. Run with it. You're, you're smarter than I am. That you can handle it, and you'll be blessed in it. 
I don't need to be a part of it. He said, well, I'll help you. I said, well, I appreciate that, but there's a lot of other men that need to write books and women that you could help. I'm not in this just for me. But see, here's, here's my point. The gifts and callings. He's not trying just to be trained so he can go out and do something else. I don't know in 10 years from now, 15, he may decide to do something different. I don't know. But I know right now he's a number two guy. And I'll tell you something else. I know some pastors that ought to be number two guys. Or number four guys. Or maybe not a guy at all. Just a good sheep. You're going to beat yourself up and the devil's going to take you. If you're not anointed to do something, you can't do it correctly. I don't care how much a good speaker you are and you're a good business person. You know how to accumulate people around you. You know how to run a corporation. That don't mean you're anointed to do any of this. Just talking. This is why people are frustrated. This is why people derail. This is why people die early. This is why they get disease in their body and can't get it off. This is why their marriages fail. This is why their children go crazy. A lot of things. Think about you. Just stay where God puts you, but be the best you can be and figure out where your calling is at. I remember Brother Joe and Liz over here. They were with me. I don't know how many years, you know. Uh, you know, uh, Brother Joe was just something else. He came. He's a surfer guy from California, ex-drug addict like me. And I was preaching about taking a special offering. Came and, did, and of course, he talks like a guy from California. I was going to sell my stick. Your stick? What kind of stick? I'm on my boat by my board. And you know, he had so many DUIs. They took his license away from him for life. And then he came, and he was riding a bike to work. And he finally came to me and said, "I'm going before a judge. Could you write a letter?" Now he'd been with me for several years at that point, proving himself. I said, "I'll write you a letter." I wrote a letter. The judge gave his license back. But here's my point. Him and Liz took on the preschool class back in the day and was part of that leadership team back there. And they stayed back there how many years? Five years. Never heard a complaint out of them. They just went in there and had a ball with the preschoolers. See, they, they, they're just doing what they know to do. And then later moved up and helped with the youth and, and different things that they do. They're just helpful, whatever they do. They're not looking just for a position. They're looking to be a help to me and pastor and to this church. And, and many, many of you that are here tonight are the same way. But if you're not, you need to pay attention. What kind of report can I give of you if somebody calls? And listen, if you want me to recommend you to a job, you better be sure that I know it's coming because I tell you, I'm not going to lie for you or anybody else. A few times I put some things down and I thought, if they ever hire that guy, they're crazy. I don't know what. Because I told them the truth. One guy called me personally, and a businessman in the city and said, I could use a guy, you know, and this guy, and he asked me about this particular guy. I said, I wouldn't hire him. He's unfaithful. He doesn't tithe. He's a liar. And he, he doesn't do anything to help me at church. He's not your kind of guy. He won't help you. He'll be a low loafer. He'll be smoking out by the dumpster and flirting with your wife. If you hire him, go ahead, but you're on your own, buddy. He didn't get hired. Hallelujah. So just be sure if you want me to recommend, you better come talk to me first. And I better know you pretty well if you trusted me to put down something that I know about you. Yeah. See, we all want the power, but we don't want to pay the price. He had every opportunity to be faithful.
situation.
may not pay the kind of money you think you deserve, may not have all the benefits you think you should have, but there's some place you could go put some hours in, some time in, and start where you're at and be faithful there, and God will promote you. I'm helping you. Come on now. I tell you one thing, you young people, you get married without an endorsement from me, you're going to find out real quick what it means like to pay the bills on I don't know. Just tear your life up. Go ahead. Just, just destroy yourself. Yeah. I'm not being mean. I'm just telling you. I told somebody a while back, I said, I'm not going to turn over one of my kids to you when you act like this. I'm not going to marry you at this point. I am not going to endorse this. I am not going to endorse it. You want to get married, go get married to somebody else. You can come to my church. But I'm not endorsing this until you straighten up. And you better believe it. Well, Pastor, I just wanted to come and you lay hands on them and fall out tonight. You're falling out all over the place right now. You better get beyond I don't know. I'm trying to help you to know, not to I don't know. Hallelujah. Oh, praise God. Look at verse 2 here. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You've got to renew your mind here in the things of God. This is how you're going to begin to know what you're called to do. I'm just about done. I'm going to have to hurry up with these last ones. That's just step one. i got four more. But you're going to have to spend some time. How do you do that, Pastor? Get in your Bible with me, like on the scriptures I'm giving you tonight, and just go back over them, either before you go to bed or when you get up in the morning, for the next year. How about that? Over the next 25 years. Thank you, Brother Les. Like he said, he started renewing his mind. I appreciate you, Brother Les, being so honest. He, he just said, you know, it didn't have nothing working right, seemed like to for me. I'm not taking credit. It's the Word that does that. But the Word won't do it unless you cooperate with the Word. Just because I'm preaching the Word doesn't mean you're getting the Word. Doesn't mean you're doing the Word. Doesn't mean it's changing you. Doesn't mean you're renewing your mind. I'm not trying to be hard on anybody. I just, I can't endorse destruction knowingly. What kind of man would I be? Don't you think God would deal with me in my prayer life if I knew that kind of stuff was going on and then endorsed it? What if I got somebody up here to preach this in adultery? What would you think of me then? See, see we got to keep it straight all the way through here. I'm going to hurry up here. And to study the word concerning the anointing, number two. You need to study the word concerning the anointing. That's why we're here teaching on it right now. I'll just move on beyond that since we're teaching on that. And there's good books in our bookstore, a few of them we have. Brother Hagin's book on the He's got a couple books on the anointing. I think Dr. Dufresne has one called Fresh Oil from Heaven. But you need to study on the anointing, and we teach on that periodically. Number three, pray in the Spirit. Here's how you're going to begin to activate your anointing and become skillful. You're going to have to understand what you're called to do, study the Word concerning the anointing, and pray in the Spirit. You pray in the Spirit, you begin to stir up whatever's in you. You begin to pray in the Spirit enough, you begin to pray out God's plan for your life. See, we've got to understand that. And then when you first start praying in the Spirit, if you're not used to it, you get bored with it because your head don't know what you're saying. I'm just being honest, and you've got to train yourself to sit still and pray in the Holy Ghost. 
or walking, praying the Holy Ghost, or driving, praying, whatever it's got to take you to do it, but you're going to have to pray in the Holy This is a Pentecostal Word of Faith, Word and Spirit Church. This is the way we should live our life every day, praying in the Holy Ghost and getting in our Bible. I know you've got children to raise and families and stuff and take the trash out and mow the grass and clean the laundry. I understand all that. You can't just spend 24-7, but you're going to have to put forth an effort. We're talking about learning to be skillful. I mean, I'd hate to think that some guy was going to go into my something or other in my head or my body and, and said, I've only done this three times and one of them survived. I mean, you know, I say, hey, let me out. Let me out. Get me off this table. Stop him. Stop him. Somebody stop him. He's unskillful. Number four, music, worship, and praise. Find out what affects your spirit and in what way. And that's very variable to everybody. I understand that. But you, this is another contributor to the anointing. Certain types of music can help you, and other types of music can hurt you. First Samuel 10, 5-7, and we won't turn there, but that talks about how the anointing was present and they were playing instruments. Also, Second Kings 3.15, I think that was the prophet when they said, you know, prophesy to us, and he said, well, bring me a minstrel. In other words, bring me somebody that's skilled that can minister. And, and then the anointing, the hand of the Lord came on the prophet, and he began to minister out of his spirit by the Holy Ghost what needed to be said. And so certain music, and there's a, here's a, for all of us, especially you young people, because there's a lot of different kinds of music. Some really doesn't help me at all. But I'm just saying for you, you can like the beat of a music or something, but you better evaluate the words. And you better start evaluating what really helps your spirit between what helps your spirit and what tickles your soul. See, you can get emotional because the music has that, has that effect on your soulish realm. But that doesn't mean it's helping you spiritually. I mean, you know, if I listen to country music all the time, I'd probably run off with somebody. You think I'm kidding you. I know you think I'm just teasing with you, but they talk about that all the time. My old lady left me. She's... You know, yeah, wrecked my truck, shot my dog, and oh my gosh. And I know there's room for some new music on the Christian arena, but it, what about anointed music? That's what we're looking for. You understand what I mean by that? I'm not running off with anybody, but I'm trying to get a point over to you. You listen to stuff long enough, it gets in you, you don't even realize it. And then somebody like me stands up and says, have you evaluated what you're listening like? You know, I, I, I like Bill Gaither and Gloria Gaither, some of their stuff. And, but I heard a girl get up the other day. She had a decent voice, probably a really nice Christian girl, lady. And, man, she sang the most horrific song of unbelief I have ever heard, I think, in, in that kind of music. I mean, nothing she said had any faith on it. It's all unbelief, doubt, and fear. Asking God to do what he's already done. That's like calling him a liar. See, for those of us that know something, that just, just registered. Ooh. Ooh. At least if, if you turn on Hugh Hefner, you know what you're going to see there and here. Sex, sex, sex. Shouldn't be watching that either. But you know, you can't listen to stuff that's full of unbelief. About music, because music's easy. You can put it on and not even pay attention to it, but it's paying attention to you. <laughs> That's how people sell a lot of albums. All right, number number five. Listening.
instructions from your father. Listening close for instructions from your father. Let, let's look at let's 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 take a couple scriptures here. First of all, John ten twenty seven, and let's let's look at that just a minute. John ten twenty seven. See, when I was trying to get over to you about music, those you got to watch it. It's subtle, and it gets in people. John ten twenty seven. This is what it says here, and you ought to meditate on these scriptures strongly. My sheep hear my voice. And I know them, and they follow me. You know, sometimes we people feel like, well, I don't know, Pastor. It just seems like you say God told you this, or God said this, and, and He does it. And, and, and it may not be just constantly, ongoingly, every single day, but pretty much every day He's talking to me about stuff, different stuff. And, and I got a hold of this years ago when I started confessing. I'm a sheep, and I hear His voice, and I follow Him. Verse 3 and 4, verse 4 and 5. And when, when he puts forth his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, and they know they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow. You ought to confess that. I'm not going to follow the voice of a stranger. How many are listening? These are scriptures to meditate on about tuning your ear to hear. Tuning your ear spiritually to hear from God. Hallelujah. Now let's go, let's go back here to First uh, uh, First uh, Samuel chapter nine. I'm going to read one more scripture, and I'm done. I, I appreciate you giving me liberty tonight. These are things that God taught me, and I've got, I've continued to go back to this message and meditate on these scriptures. When He gave me the message, I didn't have all the scriptures. I just had the outline that day down in Mexico, and then since then He began to give me a lot more concerning this. But First Samuel nine and twenty seven. There's this little little phrase here that really stands out to me. And as they were going down, 1 Samuel 9, 27, to the end of the city, Samuel said to Saul, Bid thy servant pass on before us, and ascend him on, in other words. But stand thou still a while, that I, show, that I may show thee the word of God. See, here's the thing we're going to have to learn to do, number five here, hear from God, get instructions. Stand still a while. Stand still a while. I said, stand still for a while. And sometimes, you know, we, we, you know, I know I've got a lot going on in my life, and it seems like it gets fast-paced at times. But I got to take time out to stand still. What I mean, I may sit in the chair, I may walk back and forth, but pray in the Holy Ghost and get my spirit uh, and my my being quieted down, and then let Him speak to me out of His Word or just out of my spirit. The Lord will speak to me. About different things. You heard me tell, you know, last October, I was uh, sleeping and God woke me up and said, I want you to get up and pray. And uh, he doesn't tell me that all the time. Sometimes I wake up, I just get up, get a drink of water, go back to bed. But I knew he said, get up and pray. So I got up and went in the, whole, in the living room and I've been praying in tongues about 50 minutes. And I didn't know what to pray about, so I just began, well, Father, you told me to pray here. I go, sitting in the chair in the living room. And I kept on and kept on and kept on. Got to 50 minutes and said, I'm going to give you anointing to help people with lung problems. When that comes on, you start ministering to people. And the word of knowledge will come to do that and different things to me now. That was last October, and then I got in the meeting, I think, in November, Pastor Dennis's, and God 
brought that to my attention. I ministered to a young lady that couldn't breathe. Said she was born that way. Couldn't breathe rightly. And uh, she said she'd had that for 30 years and God healed her. And I went on to Costa Rica. I think Jacob was with me on that trip. Jared was with me. And we had a lady, an elderly lady, had lung problems for 30 years, and she got healed. And then the, the, the pastor there that asked me to come, his grandson, had some deformity in his chest, and he, he never could take a full breath like that. It was kind of short and choppy. And, and I ministered to him, and when he got, by the time he got back home, he was standing there in the corner breathing up and down. His mom said, what are you doing? <laughs> I forget his name. He said, well, Mama, I can breathe. You know, and hallelujah, see. Now, see, what if I hadn't got up and prayed for 50 minutes then? And what if I had to pray all those other times when God, when I just gave myself to prayer or God spoke to me to pray where I could sit still for 50 minutes? What if I had to pray 10 minutes and said, I'm going to fix myself to eat? Or 15 minutes, I'm going back to bed. I didn't get nothing. But see, I felt in my spirit I should prevail for a little while. You know what I mean by prevail? Just keep on, keep on for a little bit. I'm not trying to impress you with the numbers or amount of time. I'm trying to bring an illustration to you. Sometimes there's something just ready to be spoken to you, just ready to speak to you, or something to come up into your mind about something that God's trying to convey, and we give up before we get there. Because we're so busy. We're so busy. See, you're going to have to learn to sit at Jesus' feet and hear his word. You're going to have to learn to spend some time in prayer and quiet yourself. See, sometimes we can think we're quiet because we turn the TV off, turn our phone off, but right up in here, it's just going like wild. I call it the duck syndrome. You know, ducks on the surface look like they're gliding. Underneath, they're pedaling like crazy if they're going very fast. Yeah, their little feet are just under there paddling, paddling, paddling. And sometimes that week, we look cool on the outside, but inside, it's just running, 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 running. If you run like that all week and try to run in here on Sunday morning... The other people that are doing what I'm teaching you tonight, they're going to get a different level of revelation than you get. Because you just ran in with all the cares of the world on you, and you haven't slowed down at all. And, you know, it takes you to almost to the end of the service to start listening. Because you're thinking, I'm not trying to hurt you, I'm trying to help you. I had to learn this, and I, I mean, I was wound tight on the inside. My wife can tell you, she lived through those years. I'm highly motivated. I think just yesterday, today, I said something. I got about twelve things on my mind. I gotta, I gotta get go go pray a little bit here. I said too much going on in my head right now. See, I can get like that still today, but I just went and prayed. I went and prayed. I said, "No, I'm going to pray in the Holy Ghost here and quiet." And it only takes me four or five minutes now to normally get over there where I can be quiet. At first, it took me an hour. Thank you. 